Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, guys. Hello, Guy. I'm Guy. Guy Haberman. Live on YouTube, as I will be every morning this week, and even more because the NFL Draft Combine starts on Thursday. And I think there's one big question. Ah! I think there's one big question the 49ers are going to try and answer by the end of the week for themselves. We won't know what they think yet, but I think this is what they're going into the week trying to figure out. Just want to tell you, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, subscribe to the channel. Helps very much. Appreciate it very much. Makes you kind of a sponsor of the show. And if you're listening to the podcast, that's great. There's a, a, a Apple podcast review. You can leave a five star. That's how you get in the mailbag. Going to fire up the mailbag again soon. So if you leave a review there, leave a question and uh, that'll uh, help populate the mailbag. So thanks for that. Be a lot of uh, stuff coming up in um, you know, this off season. Most of it will be on the podcast feed. Some of it will be video only, but you know, all that's only when there's uh, not so much, um, uh, when there's stuff that's video only kind of content, that's tough for a podcast listener. Anyway. All right. The big question that I think the 40 matters have to answer for themselves this week is can they get their offensive lineman with the 31st pick? The offensive lineman will be part of the draft combine Sunday workout. And, um, you know, they'll be talking to guys throughout the week. They'll do visits with guys later. Albert Breer wrote this morning that people believe that there's a potential that the top seven tackles in this draft go in the top 20. So do the Niners feel so obligated to get a tackle to replace Colton McKivitz to have the next, you know, Trent Williams in theory. Uh, I don't know that you're getting the next Trent Williams at 20, but maybe you are, but probably not. Uh, But are they so incentivized to get a tackle that they are willing to move up from 31 into the top 20? Are they going to use their second round pick to do that, use a future pick to do that, use two thirds. Remember, they've got a a comp pick in the third round as well to do that. I don't think they have to because I think they should be okay getting a guard or or a center, but an interior offensive lineman at 31. Um, In the latest mock draft from Daniel Jeremiah, he mocked a guy named Graham Barton to the 49ers from Duke. At 31, I watched some Graham Barton tape, as some of you probably have. He played left tackle for three years at Duke. Duke's got a couple good offensive linemen. Played some center, uh, but he projects as an interior offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, A little further down his board at 39, his overall ranks, he's got a tackle from Arizona, Arizona Wildcat, really athletic guy named Jordan Morgan. Uh, He projects him as a tackle, but I was talking to – uh, my guy, he's been on the channel before, Jeff Schwartz, uh, former NFL offensive lineman, studies a lot of O-line tape. He thinks he's an interior offensive lineman at the next level. And um, I guess it's this level. And I'm okay with that. I think it may be okay to prioritize getting the best lineman they can get without giving up other picks because, frankly, the last three years, their top three rounds have not netted enough starters. Uh, when you look at the 10 picks the 49ers have had in the top three rounds the last three years, you'd point to three of those 10 as potential starters next year, two as probable starters next year, Jake Moody and Aaron Banks, 
and Jair Brown being the third. They've gotten consistent snaps from Moody and Banks. They've gotten semi-consistent snaps once they needed it and some promise from Jair Brown. They got a little promise initially from Jake Jackson. They got improvement, but I think the conclusion is that Ambry Thomas is not a starter moving forward. And they got absolutely nothing from Cam Latu, Danny Gray, Ty Davis-Price, Trey Lance, and Trey Sermon. So uh, they are hitting at a less than ideal rate in the top three rounds. And, you know, part of the way you increase your hit rate is you keep your picks, you increase your picks. So I think part of this week is determining, do we feel like we have to get a tackle? And if so, are we going to have to move up to do that? Or is the interior line in enough of a need that um, we stay at 31 and get a guy at 31? Now, maybe you go from 31 to 27 or something if there's a guy you really like. And I think the answer to that question is probably yes. Look at the Niners' schedule for next year. We don't know the order of games yet, but we know who they're going to play. Right now, they're scheduled to play, and free agency in the draft can change this, but right now they're scheduled to play um, six of PFF's top 10 interior defensive linemen from last year. These are guys that will be back on their teams next year. The Rams have Aaron Donald and Kobe Turner. There's two of the top 10. They're going to play them twice. They're going to play the Chiefs at home next year, so you get Chris Jones guaranteed. Quinnen Williams and the Jets are on the schedule guaranteed. Aleem McNeil and the Lions guaranteed, not to mention if you see them again in the postseason. And I didn't mention Seattle's Jaron Reed, Leonard Williams. They're going to play the Bucks and Vita Vea next year. Vita ranked 15th in PFF this year, but we know he's an elite-level player. And then maybe you see Jalen Carter and the Eagles again. Maybe. Uh, maybe you see the Ravens again in the Super Bowl. You're going to potentially see Mike Zimmer's Cowboys defense in the playoffs. We saw what happened in the Super Bowl. We saw what happened. Uh, in critical downs when the Niners did not protect and specifically didn't block Chris Jones on third and four. Uh, This is about investing in obviously your team, but specifically in your quarterback who's not six foot five. And as every quarterback will tell you, pressure up the guts a thing, but we've seen for Brock. And I, as a pro Brock person, many of you are new by the week here as a pro Brock guy, I don't know who's anti Brock, but as a pro Brock guy to a degree, not overly pro, but just, just the right amount Goldilocks here. Um, you know, his size does affect him when guys get pushed into him more than it would bigger quarterbacks. There's no question about that. And what it creates is two or three throws a game that are just non-competitive throws, meaning that you're not completing a pass on a throw that gets butterflied or, or, or whatever, because somebody got, you know, gets bumped or that sort of thing. So, the interior line's incredible for all these guys. Um, and uh, uh, as I said, that's the list subject to change due to free agency. But, but you know, that's, that's right now the way it looks for them. And so I'd be perfectly fine staying at 31 and going, you know, some people think they're going to replace three-fifths of this line. They've had a rotation at right guard for two years running. Spencer Burford, they've wanted him to be the guy. Maybe one day he will. But year one, okay, we're rotating at guard, fine. Year two, rotating at guard, suboptimal, as the internet likes to say. So that's definitely a place that you can um, that you can improve. And I think that's the number one question for them this week. Can we do that this week? Uh, look, they've had success with, you know, I know a lot of people are going to want, it feels like every year we go into the draft with the 49ers wanting them to take a cornerback in the top two rounds. 
they've had success, a little success, later rounds with cornerbacks. Fifth round, Diamador Lenore. Once upon a time, fifth round, DJ Reed. I think the other thing that'll be interesting this week, and the the tight ends will go on Friday. I think the the tight ends, you know, Friday will be a good day, interesting day for the 49ers. I think Thursday, from a Niners perspective, less urgent. Um, defensive linemen and linebackers, you know, they've drafted like two interior defensive linemen in the top four rounds back to 2017. Contavious Street, top four round defensive tackle, and then Javon Kinlaw. Those are the only defensive tackles they've drafted in the top four rounds in their tenure. Um, I guess you could you could count Solomon Thomas actually, who was a defensive end but got moved inside. But um, you know, so they don't draft there a lot. But I think on day two of the combine on Friday, defensive backs and tight ends. And I think one of the things that'll be interesting, and they already they already know the answer to this is how much faith do they have in Cameron Latu, who they drafted in the third round last year? Uh, he was trending. I don't know if they would have cut him, but he was looking pretty cuttable in camp before he got hurt. How much faith do they have in him? Uh, are they going to take another stab at a – they took they they signed or they drafted Braden Willis in the seventh round as well. Are they going to take another stab at tight end if there's a guy they like enough to try to set up the next Kittle? Um, I guess that was kind of the idea with Latu, pass catching guy in theory in the third round, but as I said, didn't look great. Uh, and he's coming off an injury. So how much faith do they have in him? I, I have that as like a sub question for this week. I'm not going through all the questions of the week, but I've got that as a as a sub question for this week. Um so but but I think the offensive line thing's the biggest thing. How how do they come out of this feeling? And, you know, I know we're going to have some, what about taking a receiver in the second round? What about taking a receiver in the third round? The guys they've drafted don't really look physically when you see them um, quite like the guys that have had success for them. You know, Ronnie Bell, I wouldn't say you're counting on him right now. It's certainly not Danny Gray. So do they feel like, you know, I know a lot of people love to, to do go watch the Xavier uh, Leggett tape. And it's pretty stunning. It's pretty good stuff. Um, you know, he's going to be a second day pick. He's going to be a second or third rounder. So is that a guy you target? Uh, you, you can't make plans for any of those things until you determine, are we going to need the second? Are we going to need one or both of the thirds to move up in the first round? What are we doing here? But it feels to me like a pretty solid pick at this point to go offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, that feels like the biggest the biggest need right now to me. So uh, that's that's the number one question of what this week's about. You know, the other thing is this does not project, according to um, Matt Nagy of the Reese's Senior Bowl. I'm off with the names this morning. Jim Nagy. <clears throat> but what he said was there's only 58 underclassmen that have declared for this draft, the smallest number since 2011. Nearly 100 fewer underclassmen declared for this draft than the 2019 draft. And so if that's the case, that it's not a deep draft, he said it's not going to be a particularly deep draft. Um, I think this thing really drops off day three. You're going to get through rounds uh, four, and then fifth through seventh are going to be completely wiped off the boards. So early day three is the fourth round. Well, if that's the case, then the 49ers you know, have two picks at the end of the third round, and that becomes a pretty uh, – those become pretty valuable to have two picks at the end of the third round if this is viewed as a thin draft once you get into the fourth round, 
as he said. It really drops off on day three. Well, day three, the fourth round starts day three. He's saying maybe you get through four rounds, and then in the fifth through the seventh rounds, having the board be completely wiped. Okay. So if that's the case, then you're going to value those, you know, those third round picks um, at one comp and and they can help you. They can help you move uh, as expected. Just a glance at the chat. I'm not going to get to your questions yet. As expected, drafting offensive linemen, not sexy. I've come to believe that the big men are, are pretty sexy. The other thing I wanted to get through here, reading some of Matt Mayoko's article at NBC Sports Bay Area, Kyle Shanahan told him a few things that are interesting. Number one is that the 49ers should have a defensive coordinator by the end of the week. That's what Kyle told Mayoko. He told him, yes, we've interviewed Brandon Staley. He confirmed he's interviewed his own coach, Nick Sorensen, who's the Niners pass game, defensive pass game specialist. Um, Daniel Bullocks, the 49ers DB coach, will interview later in the week, Shanahan told Mayoko. And that there will be a couple more interviews before the end of the week. You need two minority uh, interviews as well. So, um, you know, the Niners may do an external interview. A lot of people have mentioned Aaron Curry to me, which is an interesting name because Aaron uh, played for the Seahawks, coached for the Seahawks for four years, coached under a really good defensive staff, Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh last year as the inside linebacker coach. Uh, Jeff Ulbrich, you know, that's the name that has come up a lot since that was the one that Tim Kawakami guessed in his mailbag in the uh, Athletic last week. And Tim tweeted this morning that he thought some of the holdup was, you know, just some unforeseen things alluding to the possibility that uh, they were dealing with a unique situation, right? A unique situation, meaning a coach who was under contract as a coordinator somewhere else. You want to hire Aaron Curry as your DC? The Steelers can't stop you. You want to hire Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel as your DC? They don't work for anybody, so nobody can stop you. You want to hire Jeff Ulbrich as your defensive coordinator? The Jets can stop you. The Jets can say nope, or the Jets can say, oh, for the right price, we might be willing to do something. Let's negotiate. You know what? We really want to keep Jeff Ulbrich. Jeff Ulbrich feels like uh, like a second-round pick. And the Niners go, well, I mean, we like him. You're in a weird spot because you go, oh, well, we think he's a really good coordinator. But how about a seventh? So it could be some variation of that. Uh, that was what Mayoko suggested, or rather Kawakami suggested. But as Mayoko writes, they got interviews to do. You know, they got they got people to talk to. John Lynch is going to talk on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. That's part of the NFL Combine schedule. Will he give us any more insight? We'll see. I mean, if they still have interviews to do, then the answer to that is going to be no. Um the Brandon Staley interview, you know, is interesting. I know that that's a that's a hot button for a lot of people. Um, Gus Bradley was a name that Kawakami threw out last week, and Ulbrich was a name he threw out last week. I think was Kyle should be good at this. Kyle should be able to hire a good defensive coordinator because he coaches against these guys. Now there isn't a lot of Steve Wilkes history. Ulbrich coached with him in Atlanta. There isn't a lot of Steve Wilkes defensive coordinator history. But, I mean, I think it was a chance. I didn't feel like much of a chance, honestly, to me. I thought it was a good hire when they made it. I do think they probably were not prepared for him to be a one-and-done coach. I know there are some people who think that he was potentially going to coach a year for them and then become head coach. I was not particularly optimistic about that. I thought that was a bit of a long shot just because he'd really recently been a, a, a head coach and hadn't gone well. Now, it's the Panthers and, you know, whatever. They're a mess, but... I thought it was a bit of a long shot. 
I think they were hoping it would work, and maybe he's your Spagnolo, like really good, good enough to be a high-level DC, but not hot enough a name to become a head coach again. Spagnolo still wants to be a head coach, but you know, obviously he's going to have to wait another year if that's going to happen. If he wins three straight Super Bowls as a DC, is he going to get a job? If not him, then you know nobody. Given guys who were head coaches had the shot, have gotten a little older. You know, it doesn't feel like he's in that wheelhouse. So for those reasons, I think Wilkes was also a guy that they were not, they should not, I don't think, have been prepared internally to like have Nick Sorensen ready or Daniel Bullock's is one year away, just Wilkes for a year, then he's going to become a head coach and then we'll just promote from within. I don't think that was their plan because I, I think it'd be a little bit too optimistic to have thought of Wilkes that way. Now, as it turned out, he was one and done. Not for the reason you would have guessed. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, Wilk's going to be one and done, I'd go, well, they're going to be a really good defense. Okay, he's going to get a head coaching job. But that's not what happened. He got fired. So, um, you know, I think it'd be like Curry would be, or internal guys, a little off the table for me, just because Kyle, like if Kyle hires Brandon Staley, or if he hires Jeff Ulbrich, you're going to go, or Gus Bradley, who's defense, you know, he's working for the Colts, so he can't just go hire him. Defense were 28th each of the last two years. But anybody that's been calling defense in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan should have a really good feel for. If they made his life difficult, well, that's good because, A, he's good. And, B, you know, almost half the league now, a third of the league is doing Shanahan stuff. So you're going to see a lot of that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, he should have a good feel for this, right? You should be able to um, – it's one thing when, like, you overvalue a guy you just played – you know, we just played against another team's receiver and he just burned us. Or we just played against another team's DB and he just killed us today. You know, I think teams really value that stuff. Uh, I see it in college, too. Like college, they'll play a lower level team, a group of five team. A major program will play a group of five team or an FCS team. And one guy will play well. And like that guy belonged on, our, on the field with us. That makes more sense to me. Because you don't really know when you're scouting group of five guys or FCS guys. You know, how will they translate to a field with high major college football players? Well, you play a game and then it translates. NFL is different. I mean, these are these all these guys are all elite, right? Some dude, some DB locks up Brandon Ayuk for a game. Do you immediately go sign him? It feels like a little bit of an overreaction. But a coach, every play is against that guy. You watch all of his tape leading up. Kyle should be good at hiring a coordinator. He should be a defensive coordinator. He's never quite been in this spot before. He's gone into, well, we, we'll find out. But like if you were to hire Brandon Staley, um, I guess that's, cl- it's definitely closer to Wilkes than hiring D'Amico uh, and then hiring Sala. But it's probably the most, it would be, or Ulbrich, either one of those guys would be the most established defensive coaches that he's hired in four, four coordinators. Wilkes was a longtime NFL coach. He was not a longtime NFL coordinator. He hadn't done as much coordinating. So um, it was a bit of a leap of faith, but he'd done enough, don't get me wrong, that uh, you know, it felt like a, a reasonable thing to do. So Kyle said it's going to get done this week. So we'll have news this week. And uh, and then the Niners can start moving forward, trying to figure out if it's an external guy. What's his what exactly is his style? Isaiah Oliver kind of was a Steve Wilkes nickelback last year. Didn't work great. New guy's going to have some free agents he'll like if he comes from the outside. And certainly he'll have some draftable prospects he likes. He might have some guys that you get a little intel here. Who did the scouting staff like? I've been talking to them. They know I like this guy. They're going to know you like this guy. So there's going to be some of that But uh, if you go external. But uh, good to have this thing wrapped up soon. 
Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, also this um, from Albert Breer. Before I get to some Brock Purdy stuff, and I'll get to some Brock Purdy stuff in a second. But uh, actually, this is from Peter King. Excuse me. This is from Peter King's final. This is from his. I don't know if he's going to write more, but he, he announced he's retiring. Um, and this is what he said about the top of the draft. He said, I, I think the Bears are going to trade the top pick. I know nothing. No chance he knows nothing, by the way. But it seems that's the way the wind is blowing. What I say, the Bears could keep fields and should and trade the first pick down once or twice and build the type of supporting cast a team needs to contend. Let me start by saying so far, I hate this idea by the end. I'll hate it a little less, but I hate this idea. Uh, He goes on to write, let's just say polls trades, the top pick down one spot to Washington. All right. So now the bears have gone from one to two. They would take Caleb Williams. Now he's got the second pick and a second round pick and a first round pick next year. Right? So he gets a 2025 first. All right. Still hate it because I think that you should uh, never take 85 cents on the dollar if you love a quarterback. But we, yeah, we like the other guy too. Let's go down and take the guy we like instead of the guy we love because it'll give us a lot of draft capital. 
Uh, I like that at some positions. I don't love, love that at quarterback, and I would take Caleb Williams, and I don't think, by the way, the Bears should hold on to Justin Fields at the expense of getting Caleb Williams, who I like a lot. Uh, but anyway, let's keep going here. Let's see if uh, uh, PK can convince us. He said, then suppose, all right, so he's got the Bears at two. Then suppose the Bears trade two to Atlanta, and they go to eight. And the Falcons take one of the other quarterbacks. In return, Chicago gets eight, Atlanta second, and a one and a two next year. All right. That's hitting it slightly less. Imagine now this is what would have happened. The Bears would move from one to eight and end up with number eight and number nine in this draft because they have the ninth pick on their own. So they have eight and nine. They have second-round picks from Washington and Atlanta this year. They have three first-round picks and two second-round picks next year. For moving down seven picks in the first round, the Bears would end up with nine picks, two in the first of the next two drafts, instant infrastructure. And uh, I still hate it, but hate it less by the end because it feels a little bit like them saying, let's kind of try the Lions thing. We're going to draft a ton of dudes. None of them will be the quarterback of the future, but we'll deal with that later. And if you're the GM, Ryan Poles, in a uh, sneaky bit of... Uh, job security uh, efforting, you don't draft the next quarterback yet. And if you hit on picks, you sell to management. Look, we hit on a couple of these picks. We got more first coming next year. Folks, this is the way to do this. And it's actually not insane. Uh, I don't think you pass on Caleb Williams here, but I do think Peter doesn't just make guesses on his way out the door, especially. I think he knows what he's talking about. And uh, so even though I don't think anybody other than Caleb Williams is going to one, I don't think there's much debate about it. In the end, Caleb Williams is going to be the first pick in the draft. I'm suddenly on alert for the possibility that the Bears actually will trade the first pick. I hated it with 100% of my being at the beginning of this uh, read. And by the end, I only hate it with like 75% of my being. So uh, I think uh, Peter semi convinced me there. There's something there. And I think we should keep it in the back of our minds as it comes to Chicago. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about today as it relates to Brock Purdy was what a difference a year makes for Brock. Uh, here we are not yet 12 months removed from his elbow surgery of last year. The, the one-year anniversary of Brock's UCL internal brace augmentation is March 10th. So we're two weeks away still from it being a year since Brock had his elbow surgery. And even though it wasn't the more complex UCL reconstruction, AKA Tommy John surgery. And so only carried a five to month, uh, five to seven month recovery period. It was far from assured that Brock would immediately return to form. I mean, it sounded great to talk about a year ago, but I think if you go back and watch or listen, or you don't have to, I'll just tell you, you go back and watch or listen to all the stuff we talked about last year, so much of it was, we'll see. He's losing this offseason where he's supposed to get better when he's going to become the full-time starter. Uh, I was going to training camp practices where this guy was not able to practice every day. Would there be complications? How would he feel? Would he lose arm strength? The old Tommy John thing was sometimes you came back with, with a stronger arm, but would he react the same way? And um, would there be any mental effects 
of having an injury that knocked him out and created so much angst for him. And now we know with hindsight that the answers were all, nah, it wouldn't be a problem. Brock would be fine. The fact that he missed a couple days of training camp didn't matter. The fact that he got hit and injured didn't matter. The fact that he got a surgery that was uh, not all that common, not with a long history, a newer thing, to this point hasn't mattered, and he's been fine. But it does create for him a very unique offseason. He's never gone through now what he's able to go through. Here's a photo, uh, multiple videos actually from this is from Sarah Donchi, who's a uh, who's the local news anchor at KPIX in the Bay Area. Photos of uh, Brock Purdy on a tractor last year, uh, last Thursday, excuse me, not last year, shooting a commercial. This is Thursday, Friday. He was at an Olympic playing a little bit of golf. So it's been a much better off season for Brock, a much more relaxing off season for Brock. A, uh, a, a, I think a much more, he gets to enjoy a little bit what it means to be the uh, the quarterback of the 49ers and uh, a guy with a lot of attention on him. So good for him. What a difference a year makes. Peter King, who's retiring after 27 years, wrote uh, today about a story that Steve Young told him last week. Uh, Steve Young uh told a story that he's told many times before. And it actually, I was talking, I mentioned Britton Covey on the podcast last Thursday because I ran into him in Vegas. His grandfather is Stephen Covey, uh, the man that wrote uh, the wildly popular and famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, Peter King wrote about this story that Steve told him last week that um, he was on a plane uh, coming back from a, a trip and maybe he was going to Utah or coming back from Utah it was um, 91, and even though he was going to be the starter, things were – there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of animosity. Uh, he was very uncomfortable. Steve Young dealing with Joe Montana, dealing with uh, uh, Bill Walsh, dealing with Eddie D. And uh, the story goes that he kind of poured his heart out on a plane to Stephen Covey and said, uh, God, I'm just under all this pressure, and it's really uncomfortable, and it's really tough for me. And uh, what Covey told him was, quote, I don't know if I've ever seen such an opportunity for one person to be great as the situation that you're in now. Do you want to find out how good you can be? And it totally changed Steve's perspective on what he thought was a very difficult situation into what he thought was suddenly an incredible opportunity for him. And it really impacted his mindset. And it made me think about Brock Purdy last year when he was at his exit interview at his locker and he knew he was going to need surgery. And he said the quote that I thought was one of the great quotes of the offseason. I've said it many times. Well, now we're about to find out if I'm everything that I preach that I am. Right. That was what Brock said last year. And I think it's very similar to what Stephen Covey told uh, told Steve Young. Hey, all this stuff that you think is negative is just an incredible opportunity. And I've never seen anybody with such an uh, opportunity to be great as you're in right now. And it made me think of one of my favorite stories, which is the story of Tiger Woods at the 1994 U.S. Amateur at TPC Sawgrass in uh, Jacksonville area in Florida. He was playing the U.S. Amateur, which is a 36-hole match against one of the top amateurs, as Tiger was. And he was playing a guy named Trip Kane. And uh, Trip was up four holes after 18 with 18 to play. He was uh, up by five with 12 holes to play. Tiger's trailing. And Tiger's dad, Earl, 
whispers in his ear, son, let the legend grow. I use that quote all the time. John, I laugh about it. I think it's a great one. Let the legend grow. I've used it in a call. I was calling the uh, Tigers 2016, 2016 Tigers win um, uh, at Eastlake several years ago. You might remember it as the, his, his grand return when everybody is crowding. There's these great photos of everybody crowding the 18th fairway and following Tiger up the 18th fairway. Um, this is at the FedEx Cup championship. He didn't win the FedEx Cup, but he won this event. And uh, I was there calling it for virtual reality Intel, Intel VR. And uh, Tiger hits a big putt at the end. It was not a drama-filled putt, but I, I used that line, let the legend grow. And it's, a you know, what it illustrates is you can't have these great moments if you're not ever down. If you're playing from in front the whole time, the legend will never grow. Uh, here was Steve Young, right? A guy that beat the odds. Joe Montana, once upon a time, a guy that beat the odds, had all these great comebacks, literal comebacks. Here's Tiger beating the odds. That's where the legend grows. And I think that's the opportunity for Brock ahead now, right? Coming off an injury, coming off a Super Bowl loss. If he finally does break through, all of these things will be things that uh, actually make the, the legend grow. So, all right, with, with that said, and that in mind, and those thoughts coming up on uh, the draft this week. Let's get to a couple of uh, your questions. Tommy says uh, offensive linemen may not be sexy, but keeping Purdy alive is pretty sexy. I, I agree with that. Historically, I've not been a big, um, you know, go O-line early. Neither is just Mike who comments. I feel like the need for guard and tackle are overblown. It isn't a physical issue. It's a mental issue that's solved with reps, draft, wide receiver or corner, better value, going forward maybe but the Niners track record uh of wide receiver is not spectacular at this point based on the last two they're not promising and uh I don't know a physical a mental issue I think we've reached the ceiling right if you're okay with it then fine but the ceiling on Colton McKivitz Jake Brendel he's a veteran playing center and uh I guess you're saying then just Mike let's be optimistic that Spencer Burford will turn into that guy that you feel really good about playing every day. Fine. If that's if that's your belief, I don't think you can run it back next year without changes on this offensive line. Now, maybe you think, all right, draft a guy in the fifth round. The Niners have done a good job, actually, semi-good job, with functional interior linemen later in the draft. Um, but I think now you want something closer to a blue chipper because you're also thinking about the future with Trent Williams. Now, maybe one day you just go, screw it, we're going to allocate – a bunch of free agent money on a left tackle once Trent Williams is done. But that's harder. It's easier said than done. I mean, that guy has to be available. Thank you, Frank. The 2018 Tiger Wint Tour Championship. One of the great sporting events uh, I've attended in my life. Dub B. Trey says, you know Kyle likes his third or fourth round uh, running back bust, LOL. You know what? Prediction? I don't know if I'll stand by this one through the draft, but right now, looking at the draft this morning... I I'm going to say they're not going to draft a running back this year. Feels like a crazy prediction, but um, that's my prediction right now. Feels like they just got too many other things. They lack depth too many other places. Um, that I'm not sure if they can afford to do that this year. Now, if you do it, you know, your number one running back is on, not your number one, but the best player on your board left is a running back by far when you're drafting in the sixth round, I guess fine. But, um, you know, 
I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in a rush on that. Uh, Super chat from Matthew says, can you imagine how much better Brock will be not getting killed every drop back? I actually thought that Brock ended up getting protected better than I anticipated this year. I actually thought they'd have more problems protecting him than they ultimately did. Um, And some of them are not, you know, some of the issues we saw, actually both of the third and four issues we saw in, in the Super Bowl were not physical issues. This goes back maybe to the point made earlier. They were people making the wrong decisions or their protection not being correct. And Trent McDuffie coming through unblocked. Spencer Burford trying to make a play and Chris Jones being left unblocked. But I, to me, not all of that falls on Spencer Burford's shoulders. Uh, there's got to be some, some, some uh, understanding from Brock and from Kyle in that protection. Like, are we, is every, are we sure we know what we're doing here? And the answer to that question was no, we, we quote unquote, we, them, they were not sure they knew what they were doing there. So, um, you know, in the end, I think it was partly, mental and not as much physical, but I think we saw plenty over the course of the year and the age on Trent Williams is, is why I feel like uh, protecting Brock a little bit better, even if it's just a little bit better, gives you major, major upside. The other thing is this year coming into the year, there was this sort of, and some of you hated it. I didn't, there was this sort of safety net with Sam Darnold being there, you know, like at the beginning of the year, I, I I didn't want Brock to get hurt. And as time went on, he looked more and more valuable. But there was a part of me that thought watching Sam Darnold, I, those of you have been watching for several months now, I was intrigued by the possibility of Sam Darnold and, and Kyle Shanahan together. And um, that's why I was really interested in the week 18 game against the Rams. I think Sam's going to be gone unless Sam takes a major discount to come back. And if that's the case, then, then great. But um, I think there's probably going to be even – a, a greater urgency if there's such a thing. There's always just the peak urgency to protect your quarterback, but even a greater urgency this year to protect the guy if you don't have as intriguing a prospect um, as a backup behind him uh, as you did last year, like they did in, in Sam Darnold. So um, that's where I'm at today. I am on the uh, offensive lineman train. I don't think they're getting the tackle that they are that they love at 31. And so, uh, you know, I think that's where they, they end up going guard. They've got to figure that out this week, though. You know, that's a prediction that's too early to make because we don't know how these guys are going to look, how they're going to interview, all that type of stuff. Uh, here's a comment. Frank Gore Jr. isn't going undrafted. If anything, Jim Harbaugh drafts him. I like that. I mean, Frank Gore does work for the 49ers. You'd think, uh, you'd think he'd be around. Rafa asks, what round do we draft a backup QB? You know, I don't... I said a, like a week ago that I thought this would be a draft um, to do that, but I don't think it is. I, I think the Niners have so much need with uh, depth at different positions that I think they use these picks other places, especially for a team that's done well you know, in the fifth round, in the sixth round. They've done well in the seventh round. So, I mean, maybe you draft a third quarterback with your, in, your, in the sixth, Maybe I wouldn't do I wouldn't do it higher than that, given the success they've had in the in the top five round in the fifth round. So I guess the, to answer Rafa's question, what round do we draft a backup? Uh, I would say the sixth, if they're going to do it, the sixth round. If they end, if they still have their sixth by the time we get there, so 
All right, that's that for this. This was a quickie on Monday morning. When there's uh, more news, I'll be back. Somebody asked here. I didn't see the – I couldn't get back to the comment, but uh, I will be uh, on every morning this week, every morning this week. So uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Appreciate that very much, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks, everybody. Later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.